0: Uh, This morning, as we've come to the uh, uh, Lord's house, I'd like to say a couple of things. Uh, Next Sunday is um, the Sunday that the uh, Davises will be here, and they're involved with Child Evangelism Fellowship, and uh, we would hope that you would come to support them and to to be here. It'll be a great morning, and uh, uh, so they will be here next Sunday. And uh I think next is there a movie here this coming weekend? Yes, next, Friday. next Friday. Next Friday. Okay, there's something coming up next Friday. Uh uh it's the um Jesus, right? From uh the light uh sight and sound. I was gonna say light for the lost, but that's not uh too many signals in my head today. So uh but anyhow you're invited to join for that and we, we thank God for for those opportunities to gather together. So uh, anyhow, this morning I wanted to share a little bit with you. And um, before I do one other thing, we're going to have a special um, what we call, well, what's called Maundy Thursday uh, service here. And uh, I think we're looking at about an hour service. Is that right, Jeff? And Jeff's going to go through uh, some of the uh, things pertaining to the Passover uh, and the Last Supper there. And so it would be a great evening for you to join us on Thursday. And that would be, I think it's 7 o'clock, I believe. So uh, we enjoy that. We have a great... uh, Uh, production of song and the the abilities of God's people uh, brought together to celebrate the Lord on Palm Sunday here, and uh, certainly on Easter, we hope that you'll make plans to join us as well. So, I want to talk about the habits of Christ, uh, and, and as we do, the reason I'm focusing on this during the Lenten season is that, you know, we can, we can not only, uh, if we want to be like Jesus, it's always beneficial to look at the life of Jesus, to see how he lived his life, uh, and to walk in the, in, 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 the, in the person and in the character of Christ, uh, it, it's always going to help us out much more than we can imagine. So, and today I want to talk about keeping the main thing the main thing. Uh, Jesus had, uh, ke- he always kept the main thing the main thing, and uh, it's easy to get distracted sometimes and to get our focus uh, off of what we uh, are, have been saved and redeemed uh, to be and to do, and uh, the Lord uh, helps us to, to see how it is that we keep the main thing the main thing, and so... Um, 1 Peter chapter 2 is where I'd like to begin, verse 18. Uh, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to to do the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully, uh, for what credit is it when... If when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For, this, uh, for to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps." "...who committed no sin nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself uh, to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live uh, for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed." Uh, for you were like sheep gone astray, but now have returned to the shepherd and oversee uh, the overseer of your souls. Father, thank you for your precious word. We know, Lord, it's life, and, Lord, everything that you speak is an extension of your divine character. And, Lord, through uh, your word, Lord God, is brought to pass, Lord God, that which you purpose to do uh, and, Lord, we thank you for it. Let your word be fully accommodated in our hearts, Lord, as we open ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, one final comment. I saw we have someone running for school board here. Is that right? Yeah. Is he, is he, is he here? He stepped out. Okay. Well, uh, just tell him that we gave him our endorsement here So uh, when he comes back in. So, Nick. Uh, 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 Nick Lovell is going to run for uh, school board. So that's, he is running for school board. And uh, so if you're a part of the uh, constituency that will uh, be uh, electing officers, I pray that you'll do that. And you, you already have someone uh, who you know. I don't know who else would be running, but to me right now, uh, Nick's the guy. <laughs> He's, uh, he loves Jesus, and that's good for me. We need some Jesus-loving people uh, in places of influence. You know, why complain about things that we're not involved in if we choose to withdraw from the world? And so thank God for those who are stepping up, and uh, I thank God for for Nick and his heart to serve. So you make sure you support him because uh, everything else would be unforgivable. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, Just teasing about that. We'd forgive you. But we love Nick, too. The character of Christ in all places and in all circumstances is the first thing I want to talk about. Um, You know, uh, as we think about that Scripture, it says, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. You know, so as we we think about that for a moment today, um, there have always been people who have lived within society... And cultures where they have been subjected to servitude, forced in servitude and enslavement to others, which affects every, affected every part of their lives you know and i and as i read the context here of the scripture there were believers who had had uh, committed to Christ and and were serving you know sometimes very difficult taskmasters and they were living lives of servitude and so it really was a challenge uh, for believers to navigate that because no one likes to be treated harshly or unfairly Uh, no one likes to be treated oppressively. And, uh, so, you know, here in this epistle, they are encouraged to, uh, to be honoring in their behavior, uh, to honor the Lord first and foremost, and therefore, uh, to live lives that are honorable even in the most difficult of situations. And I, I'm grateful for the grace of God that makes that possible uh because sometimes that would be impossible for us if it weren't for God in us uh to be able to live lives and so in every throughout history there have been people who have lived lives of uh servitude and uh people who have been uh, have lived in in, in enslaved lives and so, uh, it's a reality throughout the record of history, and unfortunately, its existence cannot be denied or dismissed because we choose not to, to recognize its existence. It doesn't change history. Uh, it occurred, right? You know that. it's not; it, it has happened. So, you know, revisionist history doesn't work because it's really not true. And uh, the poor, the weak... The defeated uh, have throughout history been subjugated to the will of those who had the means to control uh, their lives. Enslavement induced uh, greater or complete dependency upon those to whom one was uh, indentured or enslaved to. Under the yoke of enslavement could arise certainly bitterness, contempt, uh, the efforts of sabotage, uh, toward those uh, taskmasters. And, you know, uh, Peter speaks into this situation and encourages them uh, to live lives that are influenced by the character of Christ more than by the impulses or reactions to the mistreatment doled out by others. And that's not an easy thing. Nobody likes to be mistreated. Nobody likes to be uh, oppressed. Nobody likes to be enslaved. And, you know, I'm looking forward to the day when all of those things will be completely gone in the kingdom of God, when the Lord comes and we see this life uh, that has uh, been built at times upon the backs of others done away with. Uh, The Christian experience is not about denying such realities, but in living life in the transcendent and sustaining abundance of Christ. You know, how does one live a a triumphant life within an oppressive culture or society? I I look at Revelation 3, and the angel of the Lord of the church in Smyrna write, these things says the first and the last who were dead and came to life, I know your works tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. You know, there's something that, that we'll pick up in this message that helps us to uh, gain a reversal of perspective in Christ. You know, sometimes the circumstances are what they are, but our perspectives can be transformed by the uh, introduction of our, our relationship with Christ as foundational for all life. You know, I think about... Uh, uh this and none of this is easy and again i don't stand here from an ivory tower because i i have so many growth areas in my life how about you anybody have some growth areas uh areas where maturation is required and needed it doesn't matter who you are where you live uh we all have them and uh when you think about uh all of this you know my prayer is that god will help me to live a christ like life regardless of what others do Uh, regardless of what my circumstances in life might become because of things that are outside of my control. Because isn't that really what Christianity is about, living for Christ in every and all situations, to be Christ-like as Jesus? Well, he certainly was Christ-like. He was Christ. But you think about it, I want to be Christ-like. How about you? It's not enough to have a good theology. Because if that theology isn't given the opportunity to change your life, it really is empty. It's not that the word's void, but the work that could be done in our lives are not, is not being done. Because we know it, but we're not living it. We're not living in the reality of it. We're not being transformed by it. If we simply know it, can parrot it, or quote it, or speak it, it doesn't matter. If it's not changing us, then we are short-circuiting what God really wants to do in our lives. So when I see 2 Corinthians 8, 9, it says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. How many have been enriched by what Jesus did for you? Hey, there's no, I understand people are victimized. I don't minimize any of that. I do not speak, I am, you, you do not, do not. Carry that out, saying that he says no one is victimized. Uh, that is not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that we don't live in, in, in a victim mentality. We don't. Can, we don't continue that way, right? We are, we We are not as Christians. We are. We are not of all people most disadvantaged. We are of all people most blessed, right? And we are, we, we are not defeated. Come on. You know, we have to change the narrative sometimes because if you listen to too much news, you watch too much television and you talk to the wrong people too often, you tend to believe that there's nothing good, uh, in, in life and there's nothing worthy of living for. As Christians, we we delight in the abundant life that Jesus has given us because it doesn't depend on what's going on in the world. It doesn't uh, depend on what others do. It really comes down to our personal relationship with Him and thriving and growing and, and who we are in Christ and who He is in us. Second uh, Corinthians 8, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality, For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with such urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they gave themselves to the Lord. They first gave themselves to the Lord, and then... Uh, to us by the will of God. What a, what a, what an anomaly that is. That was such, what a, what, an, uh, what, a, what, a, what a, what a seeming contradiction. That these people who were living in in poverty uh, were able to minister from a spirit of abundance. They were able to minister from a can-do rather than a can-do mentality. Because sometimes it's easy to get just sink down into the can't-do mentality. And that's not the mentality of, of the kingdom of God. Come on, church. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Whatever I need to do, whatever he purposes for me to do, he will give me what I need to get it done. And so when I think about this today, the Macedonian church from all appearances were uh, an underprivileged, underserved, a poor church, uh, deficient in many of the resources that others had, but it really didn't—it it didn't play out that way. They wanted to help the impoverished saints of Jerusalem. They wanted to help those who were in need. They implored and begged for the opportunity to do so. And as they did, they began by giving themselves first to the Lord and then allowing God to give through them. You know, I think about uh, a disciplined focus. You know, help me, God, to have a discipline. How many of you want to have a disciplined focus? Uh, there, There are some people who are willing to die on every mountain. There's no, no discretion, no choice. They're ready for a fight in any and every situation. And they go through life looking for conflict. And you know the sad thing about it is not all of them are outside of the church. <laughs> Are you okay with me? I like to talk honest here. I don't like to, I'm not fluffing anything for anybody today. I mean, I, I live this too. I live in my own skin. One of the greatest things that I look forward to leaving behind when I leave this world is that old nature that craves attention and wants to be seated in the seat that only Christ can be. How many of you are looking forward to leaving your insecurities completely behind when you go to be with the Lord? You know how many of us know what Paul struggled with when he said, "The things I know I should do i don 't do, and the things I do I know i shouldn 't be doing you know How many are looking forward to leaving that component behind uh, james three seventeen but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Colossians 3, 1 through 2 says, if you, then, or, uh, if you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, setting your mind, set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth, for you died and your life is now hidden in Christ. We need God help us help us to have a disciplined focus. It's easy to get our eyes off the prize and off the main thing when there are so many things out there that are vying for our attention and our affections and our focus. You know, you're, you're a popular person. You may not realize that, but every day, every demon in hell is vying for your attention. Every, every, every distraction is calling your name out. Everything that could possibly get you and I to focus on something other than the main thing is out there. You know, Jesus, there were distractions that were presented to him that, you know, he need not go to the cross. That's why he looks at Peter and says, get thee behind me, Satan. Not that he's calling Peter Satan, but he certainly knew where the idea of circumventing the cross or avoiding it was coming from. But God, help me. How many of you will say, God, help me to keep my focus on Christ. Help me to keep my focus on the things that are of virtue. Help me, Lord God, to keep my eye on the bigger prize. Not the little skirmishes or or the foxes that spoil the vine. Lord, help me to, to keep my focus on the bigger prize. Upon knowing him. Help me Lord to focus upon what God's word says about life and testings. Help me Lord God to know what your word says about you and me and who we are. Upon the fact that, help me to focus upon the fact that God he keeps accounts. It's, I don't have to I don't have to go out looking for vengeance. You know, honestly because you know God 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 he, he's keeping accounts. Amen. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to. You don't have to worry about it. God knows what's true, and God knows what is right, and God knows what is righteous, and and He'll 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 work all that out. How many know you're never going to be completely vindicated in this life? And the more time you spend uh, trying to vindicate yourself, the more confused, uh, more confusion it brings into all your relationships. Upon the fact that God keeps the accounts, He's faithful. Upon your relationship with God, Lord, help me to keep my focus upon the truth, to discern what is vain and passing and what is eternal. Help me, Lord, to process what you reveal in the midst of adversity. With every challenge and all adversity, there comes revelation. There comes a revelation. You know, and I'll talk about that in just a second. God, help us. To focus on the indwelling and the overflow of God's goodness. You know, the abundant life exists in, 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 in all places. And, uh, and it does so because its credibility would otherwise come into question. If this Christian life was only, only, only good when the sun was out, what good would it be? Because you know, I don't know how many days of the year there's rain, but I, it seems like a lot of, a lot lately. Uh, you know, a lot of cloudy days, stormy days, cold days. What if God were only God on sun sunny days? You know, uh, you know, it's easy to sing and to smile and to enjoy nature uh, when the sun is out, right? When the sky is blue, when the birds are singing. Not too early though, but uh, it's always good. But God's still God, right? Even on the cloudy days, the sun hasn't d- gone away. It's just above the clouds. And in life, sometimes the clouds are thick and dark, and uh, we are led to believe that God has abandoned us or couldn't can't be trusted. And uh, yet, God is still there. You know, there's uh, plants that have spines or hairs, and uh, they they 're shade plants, and they they break up the drying winds across uh, uh, certain topographies uh, The roots of desert plants are also adapted to help them survive. Some plants have shallow uh, widespread roots to absorb a maximum of rainfall moisture. Others have deep tap roots to get water that is deep underground. you know We, we, cannot, we cannot manufacture the capabilities to lift, uh, lift the weight of all that comes against us, but we don't have to. Aren't you glad for that? But all we have to do is say, Lord, I'm with you. Please help me, and I know you are there. And God, will, he, God always does the heavy work. You ever think sometimes you do the heavy work? You don't do the heavy work. Come on, let's get, let's get real here. God does the heavy lifting. How many believe that, that God does that? Because if he didn't, you'd be crushed, and I would be too. That's just the the nature of life. You get enough problems mounding up and piling up in your life, and you think that you have to lift them, and you kind of forget the fact that the one who lifts them is the Lord, then you can become crushed. We cannot independently manufacture something, but we can, through connection with Him, live in the strength needed for those things to be lifted. So how do we blossom in the worst of places and circumstances? Peter talking to slaves who uh, weren't living idyllic situations. And, you know, for a lot of us today, a lot of our modern thought process about living a Christian life is, and I think we're finding out it really isn't, uh, but uh, the idea or notion that it's all about us. It's all about my pleasure. It's all about making me feel good. It's all about accommodating what I want. No, you, you, you have been called and I to, to live this life, to give our lives away to him. We give our lives to him. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me, right? That's what he said. He didn't say, you, you know, you can dissect that any way you want. He it says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's the fact. He increases, we decrease. That means we get out of the way instead of standing in the way. You know, and so when we think about it, there's a, a plant, and I don't know anything. I just have uh, read up on it. Uh, I could tell you that I've done vast studies on desert plants and plants that grow in bad places, but I didn't. I just looked and see if I could find an example or two of them. So there is a baobab. A baobab I don't even know what that is, a baobab tree, and it grows in Madagascar. Anybody been there? Uh, The island nation is famous for its unique wildlife and uh, diverse plant life. The baobab has adapted to Madagascar's subtropical climate, which is a hot, rainy season, hot and rainy season, followed by cool, dry season. The trees behave like giant succulents with up to 80% of their trunks made of water. Uh, They can live for a very long time, and some have been dated to be a 1,000 or more years old. Yeah, that's what, what do you call those, perennials? (laughs) Yeah, I want a 1,000-year perennial. I'm not going to Lowe's again for another 1,000 years, so, and, uh Uh, yeah, and St. Helena ebony is, uh, is endemic to St. Helena, an island in the South Atlantic Ocean uh, that is one of the remotest places in the world. This plant was believed to be extinct for 100 years. It was overgrazed by goats who were thought to have destroyed the population of this plant. However, fortunately, two plants were spotted growing on the side face of a cliff. So, you know, they just adapt and find places to grow that are somewhat unlikely. And so, when we look at this, uh, out of brokenness comes fragrance. You know, these people whose lives, it's easy to say how we should live life until we've lived the life that we've never lived, You know, these people who were enslaved, you've never been enslaved, right? How many of you have never been enslaved? You've never lived with a master mastering over you, dictating uh, every aspect of your life. None of us uh, that I know of. But when you think about it, these people had to overcome a lot of personal uh, brokenness and challenges that were realities from day to day to day. And, uh, you know, someone had seen a sign. It was in Panama City. Never been there either. Republic of Panama. And there was a sign that said, Old fishermen never die. They just smell that way. And, uh, you know, I like things. I like ornery things. I enjoy that. I like it. I like it. I love it. Give me some more of it. Uh, Old fishermen never die. They just smell that way. And, you know, the, the thought process here is that As Christians, we are not to smell like we once were. We're not to smell carnal. We're not to smell like the old man and the old nature. There's a a transformation that takes place. How many of you would say that you are alive today, not only physically but spiritually? You are alive today. How many of you would say, I was not always alive spiritually for I was dead in my trespasses and sins. And I don't want to smell like the man or the woman who was dead in my trespass and sins. I want my life to carry the fragrance of new life in Christ. Amen. Amen. In Mark 14, 3, onward we read the, as we read the story of the woman who broke the vial of alabaster at the feet of Jesus, unless the jar was broken, the house would be, wouldn't be filled with the fragrance. You know, the little boy who brought the loaves, or well, I don't know which, uh, there was one with 5,000 and 4,000, whoever brought whichever grouping of loaves to the to the party in mark 14 uh unless that bread was broken and it, it could not be distributed to 5000 and you say well uh, there wasn't enough anyhow even it had been broken but you know god per, god advanced and perpetuated a a miracle that went beyond the laws of nature through the breaking of, and distribution of that bread and so when we look at it it's those things that are broken that god uses to bring blessings you know, if you're going to, how many here believe, and you know, some people get a little funny with this word, but you know, it's real, genuine, you know, whatever you want to, but how many here, you consider yourself to be authentically, an authentic follower of Christ? Because if you don't, then you're saying you could be a fraud. I'm not, how many here, you're, you're authentically committed to being a follower of Christ? I mean, you follow Jesus, right? You're, you're doing, you've surrendered your life. We didn't say we were perfect. That's nothing. That kind of is the, the place we run to more quickly than, uh, than anything. Oh, I'm not perfect. Let's get past that. Jesus is perfect. Amen. And it's he who lives in me, and he grows me in his, in his goodness. He imputed or credited to my account his righteousness. He put it on my, ta- my credit, Right? he put his righteous in my life so it's not really about whether you're perfect or not cuz we i think we could conclude and we can move forward with the uh, understanding that none of us are perfect that's okay 2 Corinthians 2.14, it says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphant procession. I'm going to ask you to read that with me. Do you believe this or not? Do you believe this in God's Word when it says, But thanks be to God, read this with me, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us, Spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. We don't smell like no dirty, rotten fish. I mean, I mean this against fishermen, but if they just the ones who never bathe. Uh no, we don't smell like an old musty fisherman. We smell like that divine fisherman who taught us how to fish for men. And that we, he, raised, he was raised up on that resurrection morning, and he brings transformation into our lives. So if you're going to be authentic, you follow Jesus. That's the bottom line. You follow Jesus. You can't say, oh, I love Jesus, and then you don't follow him, right? That's not authentic. That's a lie. If we live for Jesus, we follow Jesus. We walk with Him. It's not about what we have to do. You know, people like to play well, those words, oh, you're talking about what we have to. I didn't say, no, no. I, I, the delight is that we get to and we get to utilize all of the resources that God has given us to do His perfect will on this earth. You know, so if you're saying, well, He said we have No, you. Know, no, no, no. There are things we do have to do, by the way, Uh, not to earn our salvation, not to impress God. We don't do anything to impress God because God's not impressed. The only thing that impresses God is what he sees of himself in you. The only thing that God's impressed with in you is his reflection in your life. He loves you, he loves me, in spite of the blemishes and imperfections, and we are his workmanship, but really what God delights in is not what you do, but what we, you know, his reflection of in our lives. We are not called upon to glorify victimization the slaves, uh, those who were servants, were not, to, were not called to, to just live some kind of defeated life and to walk around with the mantra, poor me, poor me, I'm suffering, I'm suffering. Because He said, because, you know, it's better to suffer for doing the right thing than to do the wrong thing. But to, glory, to bring glory to God, the witness of those who are oppressed and who are not treated kindly and yet prevail in Christ is a wonderful testament to who God is. The life of a believer is not a pageant of death, but a procession of celebrating the life of Jesus and to have victory in him. How many here are walking in victory today? Oh, I would if it weren't for this. As soon as this is over, I'll walk in victory. No, no, let's say say by faith today we're walking in victory right now. You know, right now, not tomorrow, not a week from now, not a month from now, not three years from now. Right now. Amen. Walking in victory. Faith is the victory, right, that overcomes the world. Not tomorrow, but right now. We do not celebrate uh, that we suffer uh, because you can suffer unrighteously as much as you can for uh, living a virtuous life, but we celebrate that suffering and adversity really tears the wrapping off of the greater price. A deeper personal knowledge of Christ, a greater intimacy with and a likeness of Him revealed to and in us in every season, including and at times especially because of adversity. Philippians 3.8, it says, Yes, I indeed count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my, my Lord. You know, there you have perspective from a spiritual mind. You know, the natural mind doesn't think that way. You know, when I'm thinking in my old mindset, I'm not thinking like that, right? I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Savior. Sometimes it can tend to turn into a boo-hoo party. Instead of understanding that anything that is surrendered for the cause of Christ is really gain. It's not loss. Uh, For whom I have suffered the loss of all things. The world cannot take from us what we have already given in exchange for the knowledge of something greater. You know, the world can't take. What's the world going to take from you? You know, we worry about what the world's going to take from us. How many know, what is the world going to take from you that is greater than what you've already surrendered to the Lord. Because if you realize that what you've surrendered to the Lord is the real prize, it's the real, it's the real deal, it's the most important thing of all, there's nothing outside of that that the world can really threaten to take from you. He says, and I count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness. And that's how it all works, not our own righteousness, but His. And it says that I may know Him. How many of you will say, I, I want to know Him. I want to really know Jesus. I want to know Him more intimately and more personally than I've ever known Him before. Because that's what this is all about. It's not becoming more rich, uh, religious or, oh, we're just doing it. You know, fads are as much idolatry as cold dead tradition. When people jump from one train to the next, to the next, to the next, looking for something to keep them happy, that's as much a form of idolatry as it is for the person stuck in the mud. So when you think, I, I but it's all about knowing him. It's not about loving the vehicles. It's not about loving the things. It's about loving him. Some people love Religious stuff, love church, love stuff, love love doing, doing, doing. But if, you know, when you get down to it, we love Him, 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 and it drives the do, 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 the be, 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 and to become, become, become. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. How many of you know the world needs to see resurrection power? Oh, well, they do. We, if they come here, we tell them about it. No, no, no. Oh, no, uh-uh. That isn't what it's about at all. They need to see it in you every day and me every day. Because what good is your, your, your theology and mine if they don't see a living theology? Hey, this, this guy's crazy. He really believes. This is Kevin Wortliff. This guy, he's really crazy. He believes this stuff. How many are... Re- I'm using you, Kevin. You are crazy. You're not crazy, but you're, a, you're a wonderful. I love Kevin. But you know i 'm okay with that i mean i 've gone to ball games before and and when the weather was uh you know very cold and I got Robin I took her one time she went with me, and she was looking like an Eskimo uh buried in under layers of clothes and I just saw two little eyes looking out and uh and then there's some, and excuse the expression, because I use this word sometimes, my wife says she didn't realize there were so many idiots on the road until she started riding with me. But there, was, there, were, there, there were idiots running around in football stadiums at 15-degree weather with no shirts on, painted up, running around, acting like complete doofuses. And, you know, and they have no concern whether you and I think that, they don't care what you think of them. So, church, why are we so concerned about what everyone else thinks about us? Why is that so critically important that we're on a campaign to impress everyone with that so they can see how good and nice and wonderful we are? Just live and love people where you're at. Walk in truth, be transformed internally so that it doesn't all become about performance externally, but it grows out of what's happening in here. The character of Christ, I'm almost done if you're wondering, it's 1109. The character of Christ is what was revealed in response to those who cruelly treated him in the hours prior to and during his crucifixion. Character is not an audition for victimization or self-flagellation. It is a demonstration of that which is unconquerable and irrepressibly released as the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Uh, The indwelling uh, presence of God is demonstrated for us and in us through Christ. Jesus is our example And his example is our calling. Verse twenty one: For to you, for to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving an example that you should follow his footsteps. I'm going to do the speed dial here. Suffering is not merely an evil; it is an avenue. You know, sometimes we just, anything that happens to, oh, suffering, it's so evil and demonic, and you know, all of these things, all suffering came as a result of man's sin. It all came into this into play because man rebelled against God, and it released the scourge of evil and depravity, and so yes, there is evil in the world, but sometimes suffering will accomplish, and not that we desire it. But in spite of the intent behind it from the evil one, suffering can become an avenue through which heaven reveals something else. You know, uh, you know. really, uh, a foolish person says that there's nothing to be learned when we walk through trials and adversities. You know, And if you're a king's kid, you'll never go through that. I want to tell you I disagree 100 million percent. Nobody likes to suffer, nobody likes to walk through it, but there are too many examples in Scriptures of people who have walked through adversity and sufferings, and God has done some tremendous works in their lives, and, 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 and beyond them, things have been advanced kingdom-wise. Uh, that would have never been released maybe in any other way. So you know, Romans, Hebrews 5.8, it says, Even though Jesus was God's Son, He learned obedience through the things that He suffered. He, he, he revealed complete obedience to the Lord, to His Father, when He endured the cross. Not my will, your will. And He went to the cross in, in, in obedience to the Father's will. You know, Second Corinthians four seventeen. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. You know, suffering came as a result of evil, but it did not come without the accompaniment of a greater grace and the revelation of the Holy Spirit in it. No sorrow, no comfort. No sorrow, no comfort. No fiery furnace, no furnace of affliction, no fourth man revealed to the onlookers. Come on, church. No fiery furnace, no fourth man in the fiery furnace to be seen by those who were looking in. Wouldn't happen. No betrayal, no recompense of good in defiance of evil. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. Remember Joseph Joseph? No betrayal, no recompense of good in defiance of evil. Sometimes suffering and adversity and the bad behavior of others against us or our bad behavior against others sets people up, not for the failure if they're walking with God, but for an, it sets them up to shine if they stay focused. Suffering produces passion. Passion is either transformational or destructive. You choose, I choose. You know, passion is a good thing, but if it's not a godly thing, it can be very destructive. We get our feelings hurt, and we're going after somebody. Somebody makes us mad. We're going to let them have it. Anybody else ever done that? But passion can be sweet. It can be the fragrance of Christ as we walk in fellowship with him and intimate relationship with him. Authenticity is committed to and follows the truth. When we respond to evil with evil or we refuse to submit to the Lord in the face of adversity or oppression that others may or may not be responsible for bringing upon us, we act out rather than growing from within. We act out Rather than grow, that means that we're acting out of the flesh rather than allowing God to bring that deep, deep, deep dive of the Holy Spirit into our hearts. Jesus is both our example and our strength to follow him. What others do to us or we believe they have done to us does not release us from following Christ ever. doesn't ever release us from following Jesus and that's, that's, a, that's true, and that's a hard truth, right? Some say, do, not, uh, do what I say and not what I do. Jesus wasn't that kind of leader. He's not that kind of savior. Jesus told us that uh, we you know, follow him, right? And he will make us to become what we are meant to be. Some say, do what I say, not what I do. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be Sunday morning, let's preach the word, and Monday through Saturday, live any way you want, and then expect that everybody's going to jump on on the train. There is never a justification for acting out in an unchrist. And I'm not a. i am not I am looking up. And by the way, Tammy, would you come up? And some people. Some, we don't want anybody getting distressed. Uh, there is never a justification for acting out in an unchrist like manner. But there's always grace when available to us when we do. Aren't you glad for God's grace? How many here say you, you've grown beyond the need for grace? Because if you raise your hand for that, I may have to say you are lying. No, I won't say, I might not may have to say that. I will say you are lying. I would be lying. I never outgrow the need for grace. What, do, what others do to me, for me, or against me does not determine whether I live or grow graciously. May the spirit of the Lord within defy every lie that draws us into lifting our hands from, uh, or, or lifting our hands in bad behavior and leaving the root of bitterness still very present. We are not driven by our impulses. We are led by God's precious holy Spirit. Jesus, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. i ask you this morning. If Jesus did not lift a hand to strike back, nor his voice to curse those who cursed him, and in fact he blessed them, he prayed for them, he interceded for them, and he loved them, if he is truly welcomed in our hearts, will he not always provide the righteous resource of counsel and comfort? Where did Jesus' self-restraint come from, and what does that do for me? Well, number one, it was in his character. It was his meekness and his humility it was in the indwelling, it's in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that governs our emotions and our responses. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. He opened not his mouth. Colossians 3 it says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. You must also do. Lastly, in Christ, the main thing is always the main thing. It's always the main thing. He bore our sins. In his body on the tree. He died to sins. He knew that was the main thing. He knew that was the main thing. So why would he get caught up in something that was not the main thing? Why would he get into a battle with people who were sinful and fallen and wicked? And, and and to prove a point. There's no point to be proved. He came to to do what he was called to do. What offense would be greater than the one born when he was tagged with the weight of our sin? None. What would have been a greater offense to get drawn into than that? And he responded to that out of redemptive love and compassion. Would you stand with me? Too many times we get caught up in the wrong fights, we die on the wrong mountains, we waste so much time. As we close today, it's easy to forget the real fight in pursuit of retribution or justifiable, justifiable, quote, justifiable malice. It wasn't merely the gravity of the fight that Jesus accepted, but the greater joy that would come through the acceptance, perseverance, and completion of the mission. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. May the adversities and inequities of life be the universities of righteousness that prepare us for all kingdom advancement in his glory. Joseph knew it. Abraham knew that even though Lot chose the bitter part that the promised land was his Jesus knew that the cross was where the outcome of the war would be resolved unfortunately there have been those through the ages into the present day who choose to fight unrighteous battles responding to the slightest perceived provocation and injury while all the time singing the old rugged cross. The sound of life that we live in Christ is all the sweeter when its refrain cascades across the spiritual airwaves from the cross where death defeats all opponents of grace. When the main event is the main event, no other gratification will satisfy the heart that is one with Christ. You know, this morning as we close our time here, I got to tell you, you know, I I hope you understand. I load these things with Holy Spirit word because I don't have anything to say. Not have any real value anyhow. I mean, I do and I don't. But I realize that today that the Word of God is more important to you than anything else. So we never come here to entertain you. I'm not a good sermonette guy. You know that. I can give you three sermonettes at once, but not one. And I want you to hear today because uh, the church has to rise in the Spirit of the Lord and not into this anemic, weakly, poor me, all me, oh, everybody hates me. It's all going bad. You know this, and getting offended with anyone and everything at every turn. Come on, Jesus endured. He went through. He suffered righteously. And he never got down into the mud with other people. He never did. Jesus never did because he knew that he was here on a, mission, on a mission. And he knew that it all this other stuff didn't serve the mission. So church, Pastor Rick, let's keep the main thing the main thing. We're here Amen. to glorify God. We're here. To worship His, his glorious person. We are here today to share his love with as many people as we can before we leave this place, this world. And we are to disciple others in the faith. If we do those things and we love people, mission accomplished. When we leave then, The Lord says, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, you can play that out however you think it plays. But, you know, I'm looking forward to being commended by the one who saved me, called me, entrusted to me a life to live for his glory and to know that I lived it well for him. Isn't that your prayer today? Church, we win because Jesus never loses. And we walk with him, and we walk in him. So we're gonna. I'm gonna pray, and then Tammy, if you'd lead in in, in closing a, a a song. This altar's always open. You know, it's never not open. You know, uh, I do like the extended platform. If it were like this, I'd be standing out here. Uh, I could see you better, and uh, unfortunately, you could see me better. And uh, I would say to you today, the altars are always, always open. This foolishness that says that, well, he shut the altar down. I didn't shut anything down. Holy Spirit is here. And you can respond to him anytime. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord, today, that in Jesus' name, uh, I can live a life that has uh, divine purpose, divine power in any and every situation. Lord, you can transform my heart to love my enemies And I need that, Lord. I can't do this without you. I can't do this without the indwelling of your spirit in my life. I can't love those the way you love them if you're not the one who's on the seat, the throne of my heart. So, Father, I ask you to help me to live this life from a divine perspective, a Holy Spirit perspective that sees this life as an opportunity rather than a liability, who sees adversity as an avenue rather than merely an imposed evil. Because in Christ we win. In Him we live, we move, we have our being. And so, Father, I pray if there's anyone here who doesn't know Christ today, so not, Lord, not, not religious, not, not been to church, uh, not, not, not that stuff, but doesn't, ha- doesn't have uh, the, the peace of God inside, to know that, uh, uh, that the life has been given to the Lord so that he can take and, and, and cleanse us from all the garbage and to renew us in the resurrection power internally changing our hearts and our minds through what he did on the cross so that we are justified rather than condemned we are sanctified rather than living a a reckless purposeless life that lord god we are living in christ as opposed to dying apart from him and so father we pray this morning. Lord, forgiveness of sin, Lord, we receive in Jesus. Lord, Jesus died upon the cross. His blood was shed for my forgiveness of sin, for my justification. He gave, we, We've been given the Holy Spirit to indwell within us, to empower us, to take us further and deeper in our walk with God. And so, Father, I accept the provision of the shed blood of Christ as payment for my freedom. And for, uh, Lord, the the blood-sanctifying work that I couldn't accomplish without you. Couldn't accomplish without... Couldn't accomplish with... And, Lord, I pray this morning that the Holy Spirit of the living God will take me from where I once lived to the place where God wants me to go. That I will move from the identity of that fallen individual into the newness of a a, a child who is no longer a slave, but a child, a a joint heir with Christ. And take me forward, Lord, in your purposes. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.